ready for the most exciting show in the world? Well, I may be overselling that just a tiny bit, but hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm the host of this episode of the J-Rod Concerts podcast, Jamie Rodriguez. I'm actually your host every episode of the J-Rod Concerts podcast. But wow, guys, do I have a treat for all of you today. Imagine you're in a lab and you want to make the one like I'm the perfect female singer. You throw in a little bit of Joan Jett and Janis Joplin stage presence. You put the wisdom of Joni Mitchell. And then you start putting influences like L.B. Thomas, Mahalia Jackson, Bob Dylan, staple singers, Freddie King. And then you make her super charming and awesome person. You make her from different cultures and you put her in Memphis in the year 2020 to kick some butt. Ladies and gentlemen, she exists and she is fantastic and she is a critic's favorite and we could not be happier to have her. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Liz Brasher is here today. Uh, Liz makes her own kind of Southern music, you know, like I said, it's very hard to describe, but it's fantastic. It's, you know, some people have described it, described it as caught between the garage, the church, the bar and the bedroom. She's a soul singer, a guitar playing rocker. And I agree with all this. She is fantastic. It's diverse, but at the same time, it's accessible. But at the same time, it's thought-provoking. It is absolutely, absolutely a fantastic, fantastic um, musical American gem that we have today. Her new song, Sad Girl Status, came out recently on June 26th. We're super happy to have Liz. We thank her for her time. Uh, her Instagram, in case you want to check her out, is Liz Brasher, L-I-Z Brasher. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you for joining us on this week's episode. As usual, we ask that if you like what you hear and you're a new subscriber, uh, please give us five stars. If you want to leave a review, you get a f bonus points for that. It helps us a lot. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the J-Rock Concerts podcast interview with the one and only Liz Brasher. <laughs> Liz Brasher. Yes. How are you today? I'm doing really well. How That's are you? Awesome. Doing great. Doing great. Really, really happy to have you here today with us, Liz. You are, I mean, you're unbelievable. I would describe you to, to my audience as you're like a layered candy or dessert that like, it has like so many different layers. When you first hear your music, um, you know, first, of course, your vocals stand out and then the guitar and then the moods. But overall, it's just like, it's just awesome. So it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. That's such a great description, too. Candy dessert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm blacking. I'm thinking, I don't know which one's Gobstoppers. I don't know. But something, something nice. Something <laughs> amazing. Tiramisu, there you go. Let's go with tiramisu. <laughs> yeah. Gobstopper is pretty good, too. <laughs> exactly. Well, Thanks it, so it, much for having me, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Liz. So first of all, where are you? You're in Memphis right now? I'm in Memphis. Yeah, I'm at my home in Memphis. Okay, okay. But where Wait. are you located? In Miami. In Miami. Miami! Well, oh, jealous. right now it's more like Left. mass. Yeah, yeah it's, more, it's like more like go inside. <laughs> Don't talk to anybody because right. the numbers are going up, Miami. Yeah, good lord, <laughs> what a mess! I'm glad you're safe, though. 
thank you, Liz. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And you as well. Um, so yes. Yeah, so, so let's start with that, Liz. Um, you know, beginning of the year, you're in, um, you know, you're in Finland, you're in Norway, you're in uh, Scandinavian countries, giving them your great art. Um, <laughs> and um, I feel in February, right? Yeah, February. that's right. So kind of right before Corona hit. Tell us a little bit about that period, right? Because I think, oh, I think Europe knew what was coming first and you're performing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, it was a literal hot mess. <laughs> so where I'm in Scandinavia in the middle of winter, which is great. Like I love Scandinavia. This is, this is my second time going there. And it was this really cool tour. Um, it was me and this other Swedish artist named Jesper Lindell and we were sharing a band. So it was his band that was also backing me. So these guys were pretty remarkable, like every night, you know, doing double duty. But what was really crazy is leading up to the tour, I was like sick a lot. So I kept losing my voice and I couldn't mm. like get it back together. And I didn't really know what was going on, but I went anyways. And Jesper, who was um, the other artist, he was getting sick as well on the tour. So we're like all traveling together. We're hearing about the coronavirus oh, in China. No. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And it's just progressively getting worse as our tour is going on. So we're right. all like looking at each other like, do we have this? <laughs> what's happening? And nobody was really taking it seriously at this point though. So no, February, no. Mm -hmm. right, exactly. Yeah. And everybody thought it was just going to stay in China, you know? And so um, I'm in Norway, actually, when it, we're in the middle of nowhere in this skiing town where it's like locked down by snow. We had to like watch out for avalanches just to make sure we could get back to a main city. It was crazy. And I think that was about the time that me and my management decided we need to bring her home because we don't know what's going on and I'm just getting more sick. It got to the point where I was now doing two shows a night because Jesper was so sick he had to go back home. Really? Okay. So yeah. So my last night in Sweden, I'm at a hotel and I'm asking the front desk to like for like a doctor or help with something because wow. I didn't know what was going on and they're freaking out. So they're like trying to quarantine my room they're trying right. to make sure that i don't have the virus like that american girl american. brought the chinese virus <laughs> to the resort exactly. right exactly. oh I'm no like, there's no way i brought it so um anyways yeah so i actually flew home i was so ill the night before like it just hurt to swallow it was all throat pain um but i flew home i was in the air coming back just as the u.s said no more flights could come wow. in from europe oh. so i barely got in and I remember I got home and I was like, you know, in the airports, everybody had like masks and all this crazy stuff on. I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. I thought I was going to be safer from it, like getting over here. And then it was just like, you know, slowly coming. So yeah. it was just crazy. Not a good tour, but, but the few shows that I did get, cause I was supposed to be there a month. So yeah. the few shows that we did get to play were really phenomenal and it was a great experience, but sure, not sure. a good time. <laughs> not a good time. And you've been in Europe before with Anderson East, for example, right? Years it, before. Yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, we also played in Stockholm together. Yeah. Right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, w w when I read about this trip, I'm like, wait a minute, February? Like, wow, is that, the yeah, not what you had in mind. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no way. No. And then, you know, everything else just shuts down until sure. who knows when else. So we're all just doing what we can now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and okay, let's, 
one more Corona question and we'll get that over with. Yeah. And okay. And how have the past, you know, two and a half, three months been like now you're in Memphis. Okay. You, you, you don't have COVID. Uh, yeah. Have you been writing songs? Like what have yeah. the past three months been like for you? So I'm always writing songs and mm -hmm. I call it like a blessing and a curse. It's definitely right. a blessing. Like I'm so thankful for it, but sometimes I just don't want to write a song. I just want to chill, you know, and like shut it <laughs> off. It's so hard for me to do that, which is a good problem to have because in my opinion, I think like the more songs you write, the better chances you are, you have of writing a good song. So I've been writing nonstop. I've actually been working a lot on my piano playing, which is something mm. that I never, I don't focus that much on and I don't get to focus a lot on it when I'm on right. the road because right. I can't lug a piano with me. And so um, I've been writing a lot of songs there and I actually uh, wrote a song that we went and we recorded very safely in the studio that we'll be releasing here very soon as well. So oh, I've been busy still, you know, it's just yeah. a different type of busy. Of course, of course. So wait, so let's, so you can't turn off like kind of like the writers yeah, thing? I can't turn it off at so all. So you'll be watching like, I don't know, like a Netflix show with someone and, and like some idea will come to your head. Yeah, it's hard for me like reading books, listening to other music, watching movies or TV, anything that I can be influenced by all because I have it on all the time. Like I, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm absorbing because that's Amazing. what I think all of that art exists is to be able to inspire other artists. Yeah. And so it does that. So a lot of times it's, it's hard for me to sleep even, you know? So I don't know. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. So, okay. So, so if we take one thing out of this interview, it's artists that have writer's block, just shoot an email <laughs> to <laughs> talk to me, talk to her. She'll charge you a modest fee and you have an idea in a second. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, all right. Great. Thank you for sharing us your COVID stories. I was very curious about that. And I'm sure people will too. Yeah. Um, let me talk a little bit about your early life. Liz. It's, it's pretty fascinating, honestly. Uh, so you, you were raised among a family of singers, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and your heritage is you have a little bit of Italian. You have a little bit of a Dominican, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and Southern. So, yeah. uh, man. Okay. <laughs> a weird <Did> mix. <laughs> a great mix, if you, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, that's pretty epic. You. So tell us about your, your childhoods. Okay, so you, you grew up in this unique household. Uh, you were singing in church. What's going on? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So if I can throw another loop in there, my, so my biological father is Italian, but I never met him. So my dad, who I call dad and who raised me was actually Jamaican. And so oh, wow. I had, yeah. so he's Jamaican. My mom and her family are who I was raised around and they're all from the Dominican Republic. So they all, um, they all immigrated over here actually mm -hmm. um, with my, um, my uncle Elias, he played professional baseball. So they all came over here after that. And so they're all singers, like not professionally, but within the church, they've always like sang amongst themselves and to one another. And I just, my mom is one of nine siblings and we grew up very close, you know, okay. as a lot of like Hispanic. A lot of, a lot of uh, cousins, right? It, oh my God. Yes. So I'm an only child, but I never felt like I was no. an only child because I was surrounded by my cousins all the time. Mm -hmm. And from the time we were like, literally we could stand we were being taught to practice singing inside of the church. So we had rehearsals all the time. We were taking little solos at like five years old. Amazing. And my family went to church all together on Sundays. And then afterwards we would all go to my grandma's house 
and everybody would just keep singing there. So it was like you had to find naturally your ear had to figure out where you were going to fit with these yeah. nine other voices. And my grandma also sang, so there's 10, you know? <laughs> so it's like everybody was singing and if you wanted to sing too, you needed to like learn and figure it out. So my ear definitely came from that. I never formally learned how to sing, but none of my favorite singers were ever formally trained either, you know? Of course. So I, I got that upbringing there with the, like gospel and like um, a lot of like Latin hymns and like contemporary music and things and some like Hebrew influences as well. But then my dad, he was the total opposite. He loved Motown and the Beatles and Michael Jackson and just like yeah. oldies, like his music. So anytime I was in the car with him, that's what I would be listening to. So I had this really great combination every of world. styles yeah that's what i think yeah. so yeah it was it was pretty cool to be raised around that definitely so when did you realize or or was it like your grandma who told you or how did you realize that you your voice was like unique obviously because everyone's singing like a bird in the house it, yeah you know but like when did you realize okay like i'm i'm, I'm another level you know? so i'm i'm laughing because i was actually made fun of for mm. my voice of course. because it didn't, it didn't stand with everybody else. I couldn't fit in. And um, unfortunately there was a lot of racism also that I viewed and I would be asked or criticized by saying like, why do you sound like a black woman? That oh, was the criticism. Wow. And to yeah, me, yeah. that was the biggest compliment. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Mahalia Jackson is my yeah. idol. Like, it's like Abby, Abby Lincoln talking. for the win. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. So I think more than anything, you know, and I look different than everybody in my family as well because of the combinations that make me up. So I've always stood apart in a certain way. I just had to learn very early on that I was going to be different and that that was okay. And I had to own that. So here hey, I am. Worked out great. <laughs> worked out yeah. Great. Awesome. Awesome. This, so let's jump, to, um, let's jump to high school real quick. You fronted these rock bands, right? Um, yeah. What are your memories real quick of this? Like, okay, what type of music did you play? Were you, did you have like a rocker face, little leather? What's going on? Like, what, what type of music was going on? No, it was kind of lame, actually. So I was into stuff like that. Like, this is the time where kids were like emo. And yeah. there was like this hardcore scene going on. And I don't know, it was a weird time. But I loved going to concerts and going to shows and seeing local bands. Cool. And watching them, like, watching their fan base grow and just being in, like, the mosh pit and being sweaty and, like, having something like that that was fun to do. Because, again, I wasn't allowed to listen to any of this music. So right. I literally had to sneak out of my house just to get to these shows, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which <something>. was, which <laughs> to me, it was like an adrenaline rush, you know, whatever. But, no, so I would see these bands and I thought, you know, I wonder if maybe I could front a band. I know I can sing and everybody was always like, oh, you should be in a band. So at first it just started, like I had an acoustic duo with another girl. She played guitar. I didn't even play guitar at this time. I couldn't write a song. None of that. I was just yeah. singing whatever she wrote. And then um, that morphed into me joining a band of all guys who were like heavily influenced by early Maroon 5. So okay. Okay. it was kind of like we were trying to do something along that vein. But then again, it was just it was very obvious that it, it wasn't my place. Like it wasn't where I needed to be. I wanted to be able to lead and I couldn't do that without playing an instrument. And I knew that. Right. So the next few years were kind of like figuring out how that was going to go. 
Wow. Epic. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Okay. So yeah. if for college, you go to Chicago and this is a crucial period. I love this part of your story, right? Cause this yeah. is when you really dive deep into, into the roots of American music, like man, Delta blues, you get into, you know, lead belly, you know, you end up in Bob Dylan, you know, the whole thing, LV Thomas, like this is such a crucial part uh, oh, to yeah. understand your music because it is, it's fascinating. Tell us how you discovered it, like what the feeling was, like where you would listen to it, all that stuff. Yeah. So living in Chicago, this is my first time out of the South. I had never been outside of the South and I'm now in a major U.S. city that's freezing cold. My, <laughs> my first winter there was a major blizzard. And so I was just hit with like a, a huge reality, you know, and I actually like I did get very depressed and sure. Um, and also being away from family, you know, and so I don't know, something switched in me where I just thought I have these things that need to come out of me and mm -hmm. I want to try to write and I want to see if it's possible for me to do that. And I knew that the best way for me to be able to lead a future band would be with a guitar. So mm -hmm. I went and I got an acoustic guitar and I started teaching myself. I didn't even really teach myself how to play. I just immediately started writing songs. Nice. And I somehow wound up performing this show where I had thrown together these like random Craigslist musicians that I found because I didn't even know how you find musicians at the time. And um, one of the other musicians that happened to be at this show this night was, and he's critical to my story, is um, a man by the name of Philip Potter. And right, Phil right. Potter approached me immediately afterward and was like, hey, I'm a drummer and he's an extremely talented drummer. Um, and he said, I'm a drummer. I'd love to play with you. I'd love to just help you because I think your songs are fantastic. And these are like the very first songs I had ever written. You know, he could hear something in them because um, he had studied music and all of that. And he was a um, high school band teacher. And so he and I started meeting. He actually took the time to meet with me like once a week at a coffee shop and just talk about what I didn't know. It was kind of like this awakening for me. And so because for me, living in the South, I never dove into the culture of the South musically. Amazing. It was always something that I didn't, I didn't really care for because I, yeah. I wasn't growing up with it, you know? And so Phil Potter just looked at me one day and he said, like our, one of our first meetings, and he said, what do you know about Bob Dylan? And I just stopped and I was like, honestly, I don't know anything about Bob Dylan and I'm in college at this point and I yeah. couldn't name you one Dylan song. I couldn't sing a Dylan lyric for you. Nothing. Right. And he was like, that's your first homework. We're going to start with Bob Dylan and we're going to go back. Nice. And so, so that's what I did. What I just became, yeah, I know he, he literally changed the course of my life. So I started with Bob Dylan, but I wanted to know what influenced Dylan because I am a very mm. studious person anyways. That's just yeah. me. When I like dive into something, I go really deep. Yeah. We went all the way back. He was like, you need to study Bach, Mozart, Beethoven to know how to write a song, how melodies, how nice. form, how all these different things function together. And it was like a crash and This is course. from him, from him seeing you perform? Yeah. Yeah. From one time. Unbelievable. Isn't and, it amazing how something like how a little moment in life can be so crucial to pe people? It's unbelievable. Well, and it's so, it's just such a great reminder how we should encourage people who are beginning something because could you have imagined if he came up to me and was like, Hey, this is who I am. I think you suck and you should never be out here again. Or 
you know, yeah. like I didn't care for your stuff. Like I would have been crushed and probably wouldn't sure. have even came back out, you know, wow. but it yeah, was the yeah. total opposite. He saw that I needed some guidance and some help and, and that's what he did. Amazing. And yeah, so from there I dove into, you know, um, the staple singers, Mahalia oh, Jackson. Amazing. Yeah. Bobby Gentry was huge. Mm. Um, Elizabeth Cotton. She became a huge influence for my guitar playing because of her like very specific finger picking. So yeah, it was definitely like a, a crucial time. And I also discovered Jack White, like in that era. I knew about the White Stripes and stuff, but yeah. he came out with his solo record Lazaretto at that right. time. And it just Amazing blew record. me away. Yeah. You, real, you realize how good he really is. Like after. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like legit good. Yeah, yeah exactly. So good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's awesome. And this. he could do so many different things. So yeah, I wanted to be like that. And then another important thing uh, I love to, I want to mention just in case yeah. anybody wants to like dive deeper, an article that also like changed my life during that time was a New York Times article that came out about Gishi Wiley and L.B. Thomas. And it was called mm -hmm. The Ballad of Gishi and L.B. And it's like an interactive long article, but it's like, it blew my mind that these two black women We're doing something so phenomenal at their time. That's so amazing. check it out. <laughs> no, I wanna, you know what? I want to encourage people to follow you on social media. Um, not just because you're like a cool girl and an awesome vibes, but the music. Uh, you're like such a connoisseur. I mean, just like, you know, researching, I, I came to across Max's Roach Freedom Now Suite. Uh, What yeah. a record. Oh my God. You know, Abby Lincoln's yeah. Shine. Phenomenal. You know, Freedom Days. Like you're flying like a bird. It's amazing. So yeah. So, Definitely, yeah, you, you and music, top. I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> listen, if you're going to be a nerd, be a nerd about yeah, right. music or gobstoppers. Either that's, or. Oh, yeah, that's true. Desserts <laughs> or music, it works. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so, man, you're giving us, you're being so generous with your time. Thank you, but I have to talk about Memphis, right? So you go yeah. to Memphis after Chicago. Thank you. And um, you get signed up by Fat Possum Records pretty quickly. Pretty yeah. quickly. And, um, you know, you start opening for bands like Psychedelic First. Um, a lot of nice th things start happening for you. I want to ask you a few of these gigs. Specifically, people talk about your South by Southwest 2018 show. Uh, yeah. People, people come back to that show a lot. What do you remember from that show? So I remember being really tired <laughs> at South by. Um, but it was also such a great year for me. It was super energetic because NPR had um, chosen me as one of their slingshot artists. So they were right. backing me throughout the entire year. And I just, I was getting to do a lot of really cool things. And for me, South by, I had always heard about South by as being this like really cool indie event where you could just discover unknown artists. So like that was my energy going into it is I was there with like a three piece band. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to put everything on this NPR stage and just leave it there. And it was so cool. Like the room was packed. And it was like sweaty, hot, humid, and I just cranked it. <laughs> it was just straight energy. You took it to the 11. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome, Liz. Okay, and, and oh. so, so then we move on to, to your first proper album, which is Painted Image. Um, mm -hmm. It's a fantastic album, I have to tell you, just from the first notes of Blood of the Lamb, you know, to the stunning last words of Painted Image. It's, 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 it's really something. How do you look back? On this album, you know, one year after it came out, it, it seems like an eternity, but it was just one year. Yeah. How do you look back on it? Um, so I learned a lot from making this record. I waited so long to be able to have the opportunity to do this. And I'm so thankful that I got to do it. You know, not a lot of artists get signed and get to put out their first record. 
And so right. that was really great. At the same time, it's so hard because you've never released an album before. So you're expecting, your expectations are like up here and you have to be met with reality, you know, like that maybe your record's not going to do what you think it's going to do. And that makes you mm -hmm. a better artist for the second record coming out. So it's been a big learning curve for me. I think Painted Image is a fantastic record and I stand behind it, you know, that I put everything into that album that, we we made a Memphis record in did 2020. Did it come out? Did it come out artistically, like you want, like you were sounding in your head? Yeah. Um. See, and that's the thing too is I didn't really know because by that point I had been writing for so long. I'd been writing for three years leading up to that record. I had something like 400 songs that we had to narrow down and choose from. I didn't really know what my record was going to sound like. I just knew that I wanted the songs to be good, and so. I hope and I think that's what that record does, but it definitely taught me a lot about where, how to think about putting together my next album and where to take that. Yeah, wow, excellent. People should definitely hear that to start with. And let's talk about Sad Girl Status List. It um, yeah. just came out uh, about a week and a half ago, maybe. And uh, you mentioned that you've been playing a lot of piano. And yeah. uh, you know, this, this song, it's, it's different from your previous output. It's e equally beautiful. It's, uh, you know, just goosebumps all around, but it's different. Um, yeah. I, is it true that it came from a low point for you? Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is like coming off of uh, 2018 with like a great year of touring. You know, I got to open for Blondie and tour with the zombies and the Psych Furs and just do a lot of like really incredible festivals. Coming off of that year, it was, okay, we're going to release Painted Image at the beginning of the year. And then everything just fell very silently. And there, that's when I realized there's a lot of things that I have to pay attention to outside of the music and outside of the art, but that are more business oriented that I didn't know about, that I wasn't paying attention to, that I thought other people had con in control, but you forget that you can get lost in the mix as well. And so I, I really do think that's what happened Um, with that record and so I just sat there like really depressed I'm like I'm not working I just came out with this awesome record what's going on right and uh, yeah so I just sat at the piano in that very low state because I'm thinking I'm so, like I told you I write all the time I'm constantly trying to study and get better and I realized this was a, a breaking point for me where I couldn't push my career any further mm. and or I felt like I couldn't You were, really, we were in a plateau. You were in a plateau. That's all it was. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I sat at the piano and this song, like in a few minutes, just came out as you hear it. I literally went into the studio like in a few days. I called up my friend Matt and I just asked him if I could come in and do the song just me solo on the piano. And we knocked it out in Amazing. like a couple takes. And that's what you hear. So it's very vulnerable, very raw. And yeah, I love it. It comes across, comes across this. Let me ask you a couple more questions. One of them is about yes. the video. Yeah, it's kind of like a love letter to Memphis. It, yeah. I, Memphis, Memphis looks so beautiful in the video. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you know, by the way, the piano, I love how you just kind of put your jacket on it. Nice touch. <laughs> love that touch. It's like, yeah, that's how normal people would do it, right? It's not <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's like with the eyelashes and like, no, like you would just put no. your, that's how normal people would do it. But anyway, um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Memphis. Obviously you love it, yeah. but I'm curious about, you know, you've recorded in some temples of music, right? Like Sun Studios with Elvis uh, and you too recorded. Like, what does it feel like to record in these, in these walls? I'm sure it feels different. 
Oh, it totally feels different. You know, when you go into Sun Studio, you see the spot where Elvis recorded at, you know, and you walk through and you realize instantly that you're in a place that has transformed the world at one point. And yeah, that's the studio. It's also the city. You feel that everywhere you go in the city. I live in a neighborhood where I can look out my window and see where Elvis used to rehearse. And Johnny Cash, like, lived down the road. You know, it's just nice. like Scotty Moore's house is down the road. It's just like crazy things. Like, you feel like this electric energy is always around you. But yeah, especially within those, those walls. And it just kind of, like, re-energizes, which is why I wanted to be here writing so, and creating because I wanted to feel that all the time. So it, it is really cool. Super, yeah. super cool. Yeah, definitely a, a daughter of Memphis for life, I think. Yeah, um, thank, totally. Okay, and, and lastly, there's this exhibit at the Soul at the Stax Museum, which is, uh, is pretty much the most important soul music museum in the world. And they have this exhibit called Run This Town. Um, yeah. It's about strong, powerful women making a difference, the whole thing. And they have this um, exhibit reserved for, for this one Ms. Uh, Liz uh, <laughs> with a quote on the wall. I think it's awesome. I think the quote says, I don't like rules and I don't like to be put in a box. I make music. That's garage rock meets the Delta Blues meets gospel meets soul. It's Southern music, my version of Southern music. Drop That's the mic. Me drop the mic and like <laughs> that's me <laughs> wow so it's just, like when you went to see this how did it feel like to have oh, your man. There? i was blown. first when i was told that it was going to happen i was like are they did they have the right person because i was so in shock <laughs> the stacks museum yeah. and the stacks history means so much to me but yeah sure enough um and i've also been able to perform there which has been phenomenal but yeah getting to see the exhibit there really blew me away because it's like, wow, this is the first place where I've ever felt like they've taken me in as much as I've also taken Memphis in. So it does feel like the perfect fit together. Amazing. Liz, yeah. you've been so generous with your time. You know, what a fascinating Thank artist. You. What a fascinating person. You know, just uh, blown away. People have to totally get on your train because, as you can see, you know, She's going like you're going up. If if you're in a plateau <laughs> and you're getting angsty because you're in a plateau, that that bodes very, very, very well. And thank you. Can't, thank can't you so to... much for your time with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't wait to see you on the stage if you ever make it down here, or we'll, yeah. or we'll travel somewhere and we'll and we'll catch a show. But, but people should definitely see you perform. Absolutely. Thank you so awesome. much for your time. All right. Stay safe. All right. Thank you okay. so much. You too. Take care.